myself keep walking on Here's something up ahead Waterfalling like a song An everlasting stream Your river carries me home Let it flow, let it flow Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
morning. All right, let's just stand up and worship the Lord today. It's Super Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Let's go.
Amen. How's everybody doing today? All right. Wayne, got anything? Um, well, I mean, I guess everybody knows that uh, we lost a brother in Christ this week, Jim Jones. Anybody ever blessed to hear him preach? You know? So I know Jack was real close with him. I, you know, I read that article in the wig, you know, and I just thought his, his message of, you know, just loving people was a pretty powerful statement. That's all we have to do, right? If you love people, they'll forgive Forgive what we do. Like if Jack is a bad sermon, we're not going to leave him, right? That's not going to happen. I still love you. If I sing a bad song, you guys are walking out on me? No. It's, it's all God's sermons. If you don't like it, blame him. Right. Do you like how I did that? And, and Jack is so humble that we have to like yes, bow Lord. down to the spirit here. I got, Jim taught me that. So. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's, it's awesome. You know, we got, we got a world that's excited right now about a um, football game. Yes. And, um, and you know, it's awesome that we have those things. But today we are starting a new series called Running with the Big Dogs. And we are going to talk about, we're going to use a verse from, uh, from Hebrews chapter 12. And, um, and we're going to talk about what if one of those big dogs of faith could come down and run, the, one, one, run one lap around with us? What would they tell us? And today we're going to talk about somebody, and God's really awesome how he, how he worked this out. We're going to talk about a guy named Elisha. Um, and so it's, gonna, it's, um, it's very fitting. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to have an awesome time doing it, okay? All right, so we, I just want to say hey to everybody here. We want to welcome those who are part of our online church as well as Facebook Live. Um, we're everywhere now. So, um, so uh, we're just welcoming you if you're um, tuning in for the first time. Let's just open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you now, and we just thank you that your grace is enough that everything in the world that is questionable, that there's all kinds of conflict and there's all kinds of stuff, that so God, even some of that conflict and a lot of that conflict exists not on the outside but exists within our hearts and our minds. And yet we know that we have the master, the one who calms the sea, um, can calm the storm in you and me. And so, God, right now we just ask that your spirit move in this place and that you reveal to us not only in song but you reveal to us in life that, yes, your grace is truly enough. And for that, we give you praise. Let us just worship you and have an awesome time. In Christ's name, everybody says, amen. amen. Awesome. Come on, hands together. Make some noise. One, two, three, for me 
God, we just thank you for bringing us here once again today, and that, God, this, whatever you have for us today, that um, you'll just move in a mighty way, and for that, we give you praise, and we're just thrilled that we're, we're all just here in your presence. In Christ's name, everybody says amen. amen. All right, uh, this time, our Shoreline Sunday School Ministry, uh, you can go ahead and head. Everybody else say hi to somebody. Everybody good? Awesome. No, you're not good? Anybody good? All right. Good to have everyone here. Again, welcome to everyone. If you're visiting with us and you're here today, um, if you're here today, go, uh, we hopefully you received a card. If you did, go ahead and fill that out. We have a small gift for you. If you just uh, turn it in at the end over here. Um, visiting online, welcome. Just please let us know that you're visiting and we'll, um, we just uh, appreciate that you're here. Hi, Facebook Live. Hi, everybody else. All right. Um, so, uh, you excited? Yeah. You excited for what God's got? It's going to be cool. We started a new series. Um, I, I really enjoyed the last one. Um, get used to seeing some dogs. Uh, we may, do anybody remember the Arsenio Hall show? He used to call them my dogs, and they used to do what? Ooh, 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 ooh. I might have to get you guys to do that during this series, all right? I was, I'll let you go with that, that at first, but I mean, hopefully there's people at home going, woo, 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 and people are wondering what the heck's going on. So, um, all right, next Sunday we're uh, going to have a Haven 101 class if you're interested and what membership, and, and a little bit about the church. Please stay after church, and we will go ahead and talk about that. Um, card ministry after church, if you're interested in those things. Um, and last, if you missed last week, we also had, had some things uh, for you to update the database. So if you want to continue to do that, please go ahead. February 19th, believe it or not, you can tell we're at the beginning of a year. February 19th will be a vacation Bible school planning meeting. So if you're interested in anything um, that has to do with that, uh, I know uh, the materials came in. And so Melissa is, um, would like to have as much help as she can. So if you're interested in just being uh, a servant, just helping out in any way, please go ahead and, and show up on the 19th and let her know. Uh, Dining for Women, Mardi Gras on uh, the 15th, 6.30. Anything else in particular? Uh, all women, right? Yeah. They have a good time, okay? And you'll be a little bit sillier after you go, so it's awesome. Right? Um, Huh? 
Okay, there you go. She said, I think it's a sin to have that much fun. So there you go. Um, but it'll be at her house, uh, Judy's house. You can go ahead and there. Miriam's table, um, the 19th, also the 19th. Um, we will have her here with us, right? The, the, uh, what's her name again? Susie Kiefer. Last week we saw the video uh, portion of that, um, which she shared a little bit. Wes has shared several times about that. And um, you, that if you want to contribute to that, um, we still have some loaves out here. You go ahead, you take them, fill them with change, money, checks, and that will all go to help support Miriam's table um, for hunger relief. Um, and so uh, mission trip planning kickoff also on the 19th. 19th is like everybody's ready to do something on the 19th. So be plan- planning to come and get, get busy on the, on the 19th and do something. So um, Paris Foundation, guess what day it's on? 19th. Yeah, hey, February 19th. Um, so uh, that's going to be a, um, another uh, day that we can serve. And there's a sign-up sheet out here in the Bell Cafe if you would like to go ahead and contribute and be part of that, helping serve the homeless, um, which is right up in Elkton right next to the pretzel factory um, in Elkton. And so um, also, if you want to be added to the prayer list, there's also information on the back. You can email Debbie. She'll make sure you get there because we also have prayer lists that go out during the week, and there's a great way to connect and to do those things. Anybody else that we need to add to, um, that we need any kind of other announcements? I think we're good. Yeah, Wes. Okay, so we want to pray for your daughter um, and Christiana Hospital. Um, we have prayers. Andy asked for prayers for David Biggs for addiction, Mike McCoy addiction and um, mental complications from that, and also Connie uh, Livesey from cancer. So we want to lift up. There's a lot of things that are there. Any other prayers? Yes, in the back, Carol. Yes, definitely. Jim, Jim Jones and family, we want to re- re- Rebecca and the boys. Okay, so Andy Musall's uh, grandfather passed away. Went to Florida. We want to pray for traveling mercies there. Others? Anybody else? All right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Barb and Ray Caldwell continue to keep them. Um, he he butt-dialed me this week, and it's great. If you ever get a message from Ray, it's the most awesome thing. Ray, hopefully you're watching. He's like, hey, I didn't mean to call you, but it was good to hear your voice. So, yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. I love Ray. You get this deep voice. It's awesome. So, yeah. That was Andy. Oh, Jim for Jim Jones. Oh, Wes, uh, you got that? Who'd you have? Uh, you, Ray and Barb Colwell? God knows, right? There we go. Huh? Oh, Florida. Yes, Andy Musall's grandfather passed away. Okay, see, we got it. It worked. So. All right. Everybody ready to pray? Let's pray. Lord God, um, we come to you right now. And uh, there are so many uh, needs in our hearts and in our minds. And so uh, that song that we just sang, uh, Father, uh, rain it down. We, we need uh, your spirit to rain down, to bring healing where there's loss, to, um, to just uh, to bring wholeness where there's areas that have been broken. And so, so God, as we, as we enter this point today and lift up these prayers for people, uh, dealing with addiction, dealing with loss, um, dealing with uh, health concerns and other kinds of means. Um, God, you know what they need, uh, and we just are being faithful and lifting them up to you right now. And so, God, um, as we, uh, it, it, I just got to say, life's hard. Um, for some of us, we have situations that we never, ever, ever thought we'd be in, and, and our hearts still break because of them. For others, we 
are just the daily grind of, of life. It's not the life that we thought we'd have. And so there's a sense of loss and a sense of frustration. For others, we just kind of spent many years doing our own thing, and now we have a lot of guilt that, we, that we're dealing with. But whatever it is, God, um, we know that we can find rest and peace and, and answers in you, and only you. And so, God, um, today, rain it down. I've been praying for the last couple months or so. God, do your thing. Whatever it may be, just do it. Get me out of the way and get all of us out of the way and just do what you want to do. We've been blessed so many ways by you, God, and we take this time just to give back a portion and, and gifts and tithes, and that's for meeting your ministry. But God, we know that we can do nothing apart from you. Apart from you, it doesn't matter. Nothing gets accomplished. Nothing is, is done and worth anything without you. So Holy Spirit, just guide us. Surround your loving arms around us and anoint us and strengthen us for your task. In Christ's name we pray.
Today's scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. dogs there we go. that's right again how my dog oh that's good yeah isn't it great when you stand up here you can get people to do anything all right it's awesome all right okay we are starting a new series today running with the big dogs and um it uh, we're gonna it's based off of hebrews chapter 12 you have that in your bulletin and hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this Therefore, now, hey, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. When you see therefore in Scripture, you've got to find out what it's therefore. There we go. So what is it therefore? It is therefore because it says, therefore we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses, cloud of witnesses. You've got to go back to what it's there for. It's a connector to the first chapter, to the chapter right before that, chapter 11, which is known, has a nickname, the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame of Faith. It talks about several people who, by faith, did uh, amazing things. Um, if anybody wants to check that out, go ahead, and you can do that. And if you look at them, look what it says here. Therefore, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, so let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sins so that easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. So what we have, we have examples. We have people who by their lives lived as witnesses. And by being witnesses, they, it says now we're surrounded by this crowd of witnesses. Kind of like today in the Super Bowl, right? People are going to be right yelling and cheering. Everybody do that with me. Ready? Right? That's what it sounds like. Because one of the interesting things is when you are in a crowd, that individuals start talking. So if I'm having a conversation with someone, you hear me, but if everybody started talking at once, it gets like this kind of white noise, kind of, and you can't hear any of that. And what's interesting here in this scripture, it tells us that we're surrounded by them, and they're going, Jack, yeah, 
All right, they're screaming. They got their little pom-poms. Yeah, Jack, woo! All right, they're doing the wave. Jack did something good. And then with a bad play, oh, bad play, okay? Like that kind of stuff. They're surrounding me with these things. But the coolest thing about Scripture is it doesn't say it's easy. It says, so let us, let us throw off anything that hinders us. And the sin so easily entangles. It says that there is this issue that is trying on us that we're struggling a little bit with that as well. And so because we can only hear crowd noise, it's kind of difficult to hear what they would say. And I've talked about him in the last series, but Dr. John Maxwell, who, is, who I told you was the leadership guru, wrote a book many, many years ago called Running with the Giants. And he came up with this awesome concept, which was what if one of those people in the stands, that great crowd of witnesses, that after, every, after a lap around life, what if one of them could come down and run with us? What would they say to us? Because we can't hear them in the stands, but when we're running next to somebody, you ever run next to somebody? The other day I was at the, uh, at the gym, and I was, doing, I was on the elliptical, and I had this guy next to me, and I was actually watching something. I was watching it, and I, you know, because I was kind of zoning out, and I was kind of listening, watching the show, and then the person kept talking to me, and I kept pulling the thing out of my ear, and I was like, and finally I just ended up turning it off, and I ended up just talking to him, and guess what? The race went better. It went quicker. I wasn't looking up at the clock every five seconds. I was having a conversation. Am I right? Anybody ever tried that? So, so guess what? Our race goes better when we have one of those people come out and run around the lap with us. Okay, so let's look at this. So what we're going to do today, the cool thing about this series is a couple things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be encouraged by the faith of these greats. And number two, we're going to get into our Bibles, and we're going to see um, we're going to see the, the scripture in our life revealed on the morning. Today we are going to talk about a guy named Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. Elisha. Thank you. I was just giving me a drink. All right. So not Elijah. Elijah was his mentor. And Elijah did incredibly awesome things. He had 14 recorded miracles in the scripture. 14 of them. And um, he was present. at. He's one of the two people that we know in the Old Testament that did not die a natural death. He actually was whisked away on a chariot of fire and didn't face death. We also know that when Jesus transfigured, which was basically he was on the mountain and he changed into his glorified self, that Moses and Elijah were both there. So this is a really important guy. In Revelation, they talk about two witnesses at the end times, and they don't mention them by names, but because of what they say, many scholars and many people believe that it's Moses and Elijah as well. So Elijah is a really important person. And also in the Hebrew faith, during the Seder meal, you leave a seat just in case Elijah wants to stop by. So this is all part of Elijah. So you may say, well, Jack, why aren't we talking about Elijah? Because I believe Elisha relates a little bit better to us than Elijah. Um, because here's what's really cool. Elijah, Elisha started out really normal. Nothing extraordinary about him. But he became very great. As a matter of fact, he did 28 recorded miracles, double what his mentor Elijah did. And in the beginning, he wasn't great. Matter of fact, I'll tell you, um, has anybody ever asked this question, you wondered if your life really counts? Anybody ever thought about that? Okay, you wonder, does my life really count for anything? Or, you know, we go through the whole thing. What am, what am I here for? What is all this about? And so what we see here is I think that we can see that in Elisha. And most of his story deals with the concept of this, a word that we all love, a concept that we all love, waiting. 
How many of you like to wait? How many are patient? I've always told people, don't pray for patience because God will give you stuff to be patient about. God doesn't just come out and say, you are now patient, Jack. No, he puts people who drive you crazy in your life, who demand things, and says, let's see if you're going to be patient right now. All right? So when you pray for patience, look out. So mostly what we learn is Elisha waited and waited and waited and waited, and nothing was happening. For instance, what we do know is that he, um, he was a farmer, and he plowed oxen all day long, every single day. Now, I gave you a picture here of his office view. All right, now think about this. For 8 to 12 hours a day, you're looking at oxen. Rear end. Maybe that's where they got that verse in, what child is this? I'll let you think about that one. Okay, so oxen, rear ends of an oxen. They don't just, so we're talking about, I would dare say within that 8 to 12 hours a day that the oxen tend to let something else out of the rear end. Am I right? And I'm sure they also let some smells out of that. And some of you are saying, my gosh, it sounds like my job. It sounds like how I exist every day of life. This is what he did day in and day out. Day in and day out. How would you like to look at that and smell that every single day? Just hands and plow. What did you feed them oxen last night, right? You're going through this every single day. That's what he's looking at. And that's how he lived his life. And yet, he becomes the person that does double what this great prophet Elijah did. So many of us see ourselves, because one of the things I think is so many of us see ourselves incorrectly. We see ourselves from this view rather than the view that God has of us. And I want you to hear one thing today. God has greatness for you. God didn't create you for for looking at the rear ends of oxen your whole life. God created you for greatness. So what would Elisha say to us here today? What is the thing that he would say to us? He would start off by saying, wherever you are, give your best. And how should you give your best? In several things. You need to give your best wherever you are placed. That's what you need to do. You need to give your best wherever you are placed. You said placed. Yeah, because I believe wherever you are, God has you there for a reason. And we're going to unpack some, some of this some more today. And you may be doing the most dull boring, mundane, you hate it task in your life. But I want to tell you, God is watching you. Not to strike you down, but God is watching to see how you're going to relate. And there are three areas that we're going to share where we need to give God our best. So here we go. Number one, God wants us, wants you to give your best in obscurity because God really will reward it. Give your best in obscurity because God will reward it. Try to say that five times real fast. It's really interesting because you saw the image that Elisha had for his, his day, right? Just plowing away. And then we have this account where Elijah comes to him. And he's been watching him and watching to see what he's been doing. Now, I don't know how you... How, there's no way that you would go ahead and say... For a a pastor, if you were doing a pastoral search, you wouldn't say, I want somebody who can plow looking at the rear ends of oxen for 8 to 10, 8 to 12 hours a day. That's who I want in my life. I want somebody who knows oxen rear, okay? That's not what they, what you say. But Elijah was watching Elisha 
do this task, and in everything that he did. Now, if we look at the scripture from 1 Kings 19, 19, it says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field, right, doing what he's doing. And there were 12 teams of oxen. Stop. If there were 12 teams of oxen, that meant he was, his family was very wealthy. People did not have those heirs. So now we add another element, that his family was wealthy. And then it says, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, and he threw his cloak around his shoulders. Now, what this meant, this was like, from a prophet, it was like, hey, I want you to follow me. I want you to come and be, I want you to work for me. I want to take you underneath my wing, kind of thing. So listen to what he does. He throws his cloak over him, and then what does Elijah do? Walks away. He walks away. Guess how long he walked away for in the whole process? Ten years. Here he is. He's plowing, plowing. Whoop, got, prophet puts it on his shoulders, and then he says, later. He said, no, no, go back. I'll get you when I need you. Ten years. How many like waiting ten years for something? Anybody like waiting ten minutes for something? Some of you, if I just sat up here and started drinking this, you would be like, hey, would he get on with it? All right? We don't like to wait. Ten years. Imagine how that is. You know that you're called. And guess what? You guys know that you're called too. You have dreams. Anybody here ever have dreams? And you have dreams. He had dreams and hopes and had them too. And you might ever wonder, what is taking so long? I'll tell you what's taking so long. God is watching you. God is watching to see what you will do with what you have and how, how, how you're dealing with that. And I remember when I, was, um, when I finished college, I started working, and um, my dad had a church up in Claymont at the time, and I would go to a Bible study to be, to be good, but I was living my own life. I, I had had this kind of calling from God to be in ministry when I was in middle school, when I was in high school, and I kind of like tried to play Jonah and get rid of that and run, run in the tail, and then I got vomited on a couple beaches somewhere and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but still, so I thought, okay, well, I'll go to Bible study, and I will work for a company that is associated. It has a church name in it. It was a retirement community, and it, has a, it had a Methodist in there, so I thought, okay, I'm good. This is, this is a ministry. I'm good with this one. And I was doing marketing PR, and I was liking it and everything. And some of you have heard this story. And, but while I was there, I, I ended up you know, at the church, and I would go to a Bible study, and I went, and then I would you know, go out and do whatever I wanted to, and then on Sunday, I'd show up maybe late for church, and I'd be there. But I'd be there, and I'd sit there. And, um, and I remember that in the midst of the Bible study, the, the lady, Ellie Quick, she, she was annoying um, because she kept pushing me to do things um, for God. Like, she would be like, Jack, I want you to lead this next Bible study. I'm like, and somehow she, I don't know if she had like a Jedi mind trick. And I thought, yes, I will lead the next study. You know, I don't know whether something like that. But I started doing that. And then I'd be coming in, I'd be coming into church. And when I would come into church, she would, you know, I was tired because I was out to probably two or three or whatever. And now here I am. And then she'd say, I'd see her. I'd say, Jack, Jack, come here, come here, come here, come here. I'd be like, I'd say, yeah. She goes, I need you to pray for this person. I was like, you know, in my, in my mind, I don't want to pray for anybody. I want to just go home. I want to go get something to eat. I claim my steaks are over here. I want to get some of them. You know, I want to do something. Come here. And she always, she, you pray, because when Pete, you pray for people, they get well. And she just drove me nuts. Constantly. 
constantly. And I was cool with it. I remember saying, God, I'm cool with doing this. And I, and I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll get a little bit more involved and say, guess what? You know, I think I'll do Disciple Bible study. And then I said, hey, you know what? Maybe we should have a praise and, and healing service. And we'll go ahead and do that. I thought, okay, that checks off the, the list, God. You can leave me alone now, right? And I was cool with that because I was in the background. And it's like when you say to God, okay, I'm cool with being in the background. That's when God says, good, get up front. You know, because when God says, hey, I want you up front, that's when he says, I'm going to pull you back. But when you say, I'm cool being back here, I don't want that preacher life, I don't want anything like that, he says, good, that's what I was waiting for. You know, and that's how God works. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, it says, your father who sees what is done in what? Secret will reward you. He says this on the Sermon on the Mount. And it's really kind of cool how he says this. There's three areas that he gives for things that we're supposed to do. One, he says, pray. He says, pray not to be seen. In other words, when you go, oh, dear, magnificent Father, I have come to thou worship thee. And everyone listen to my wonderful prayers, right? Or the other thing, that's the first thing. And the other one is fasting, like where you go to people and you go, oh, fasting. I'm fasting for God. Look at me. I'm so emaciated. I'm fasting, Right? You know, no, don't do that. Don't let anybody know that you're fasting. Or the other one is give. Like, here comes the plate, and you go, whoa, look at this. Bam, how you all like that? I gave that one, yeah, right? God don't want you to do that stuff. Just do that in quiet. It's not for recognition's sake. Elisha did two times the miracles of Elijah. He's second only to Jesus Christ in miracles that are recorded in Scripture. So what would Elisha say? He'd tell us, do well in obscurity and give your best there because God will reward you. Second thing he'd say is, give your best with the small things and God will give you bigger things to do. One of the things that I learned very early in ministry is God cares about the details. I never thought God cared about the details. I always thought that um, that. Jack and some Holy Spirit, a lot of Holy Spirit would just make it work. But what I realized is God is a God of order. And when you just throw things on people and blame it on the Holy Spirit, they don't like it very much. I remember an Easter sunrise uh, service, um, we were sitting there and there was a lady, Lois Taylor, many of you know Lois, and I went up to her and um, the, cr- the cross looked bare and we were at a sunrise service and we had an 8.30 service and I, coming up and I looked at her and I said, Lois, it, wouldn't it be awesome if we had some decorations up there in front of the, uh, in front of, uh, on, like some other decoration on the cross? I think it looks just blank. Can you do it? I believe God wants us to do it. And so she ran home and she told me she ripped her white curtain off her, her, uh, her window put it over top, and stopped by the side of the road, grabbed some flowers, and shoved them in there, and I went in. And after church, she, I, she came out, and she was coming out, and I was on this high from, from Easter, and I said, Lois, that was awesome. And she looked at me and said, Jack, I love you. Don't ever do that to me again, or else I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> All right? And I was like, well, the Spirit wanted it, you know, like this kind of thing, the Holy Spirit. But God wants us to be detail-oriented. He cares about the small things. Probably one of the, um, I've had several mentors in life, and you'll hear me talk about some. But as uh, Wayne alluded to, one of my, one of my greatest mentors early in ministry was Jim Jones. And it's kind of funny and cyclical how that works because my dad was his mentor when, um, 
when he first came to the county. And I kind of adopted Jim. We asked the superintendent if Jim could be my official um, mentor. And then that, later that week, we got a, uh, a, a letter from the superintendent that they gave me somebody else. So, and Jim didn't have anything nice to say about that one, but that's okay. But he was a guy who, I, who really helped me um, when I had this kind of like, hey, I'm throw caution to the wind and, and just do whatever. He was kind of the guy that shared with me about details. When the church that I was at was beginning to do, look about doing a building program, Jim sat down with me and, and taught me how to do things. I still remember um, the first funeral I had. I got a call, and they said that um, their mother had passed away, and they were sitting here, and, and um, the body was here, and wanted to know if you would come over. And Jack had no, a 26-year-old Jack had no clue what to do around the dead body, Right? Um, I only knew the ones that were in the church that came, showed up every week. Um, but I, sorry, um, there, were, there were a couple, don't worry. Um, you had to check their pulse, make sure they were still moving, okay? Um, but, uh, and they all sat all the way, like in another county. But anyway, um, I remember I called Jim. I'm panicking. I'm calling him. I, I called him. I'm like, Jim, here's what's going on like this. And Jim, and the only way he could do, went like this. Can't you feel the pressure? Like that, that's what he said to me. And then he, then he gave that laugh, and then he said, here's what you do, go get a piece of paper. And he told me, here's the questions that you want to ask. Here's what you want to ask about the service. Spend some time getting to know the person, the family. And, um, and it's still the process I use today, the one that he laid down about details and what was needed and what were needed. And, you know, long after I left the church at the time that I was there at Morris Chapel, um, the details that Jim helped me set down in order to help that building program, now there's many people who meet there in that building because of him helping me and pouring into me. Elisha did the same when Elijah choose, chose him. There was 10 years, but he, he, kept, uh, he, he kept the details. He was called, and there was 10 years in between. But look at what he did here in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 21. So Elisha returned to his oxen, and what did he do to them? Now, keep in mind, there's 10 more years before he is really, let's say, full-time preacher guy for God. He goes and he slaughters his oxen, and he takes the plow and breaks it up and causes a fire and throws a party for his friend. Because Elisha knew that now that he had this call on his life, that he was going to pay attention to the details that there was no way he was turning back on the call from God. Even if it took 10 years, there was no way he was going to do that. And look at what it says here as it continued. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire, roaster flesh. He had a party. And then every so often, he went with Elijah as his assistant. What he did, here's a guy who had wealth in a family who understood his job. It wasn't the greatest one in the day. But when he had the call from God, God had trusted him with the small things he was taking the details and saying, I'm, going, I'm not going back. And then he ended up becoming an assistant, which was a lesser job. Matter of fact, one of the translations of the Bible say that he washed Elijah's hands. This is one of the lowest jobs that you would have. That you're basically a faucet. There you go. Oh, that means when Elijah needed to eat, oh, I'll wash your hands. That means after he went to the bathroom, I'll wash your hands. That means if you got any kind of dirt or anything, I'll wash your hands. That was his job. He left wealth in order to do the minuscule details that he had there. You see, 
the lowest task God is paying attention with. Because God knows that if you're faithful with a little bit, that you'll be faithful with more. And so I want to share something with you here. God cares about your closets. God cares about the floorboard of your car. How many getting nervous right now? Because guess what? If God cares about the, if God, if, why would God entrust you to a, a ministry if you can't even keep the floorboard of your car clean? God cares about the small things in life. What if you pick somebody up to bring them to church and you got to move eight billion bags of junk and trash in order to get them in there, right? Everybody's saying, uh-oh, i got to clean my car after church today, right? God wants to do something awesome with you, but he wants to see how you're doing with the small things in life. Details matter in life. They do. They just do. And I thank, I thank God for people like Jim and my dad and John Hobbs who, who taught me about that details in ministry really matter. Yes, the Holy Spirit always moves, and you don't make the details and so stringent that you keep God out. But the details are important because God works in the details. God brings blessing out of order and brings order out of chaos. In Luke 16, verse 10, it says, and it reminds us this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. God cares about the details. Number three, what do we do our best in? Do your best in the natural, and God will do the supernatural. Elisha had no idea the crazy things that God would do through him. Let's look at this section here. Now we're in 2 Kings. This is after the 10 years. He's with Elijah, and Elijah's getting ready to go to heaven in a chariot of fire. And here we come to this story, this account right here, and they're talking, and look at what Elijah says to Elisha. He says, he's getting ready to go. He says, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Now, that, that could be a lot of things. That could be, hey, you know, I want you to give me a blessing. I want you to tell me that, um, that you love me. I want you to give me what is the one thing that you can do when times get difficult or what's the, what's the trick that you have to do certain things. And he asked him, and, and I want to tell you, God is asking you the same question. What can I do for you? Now, look how Elisha answers. Elisha answers in a very interesting way. He says, all right. Okay, you want, you re- you're really asking me this, right? What can I do for you? And listen to what he says. He says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. That's a big thing. Look, look, look at what Elijah says. Elijah says, you've asked for a what? Difficult thing. A difficult thing. You know, as I believe God does the same thing to you, but I also want to stop right now and I want, to, I want to add to you that you need to be a mentor. Those of you who have stuff from God need to be a mentor. You need to pour yourself and your life into other people. It's important. I am so thankful to God for the mentors that I've had. There was not a week in nine years when I was first in this area that Jim Jones and I did not sit down for lunch somewhere usually walking in the back door of Sue's restaurant and sitting down. Or if, if they had the luncheon at the church where I would take my young son, Jacob, and he would teach him how to spit spitballs. All right? Whatever it was, he poured himself in me. There wasn't a Sunday that he didn't call me to ask how attendance was. There wasn't a, a, 
a time where he didn't check in with me. There wasn't, there, 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 he was just, I knew he was there for me. And I knew that he poured his life into me. And I know I've had several of those mentors. Now, Wayne and I have talked about this several times, about how these people poured their life in a young pastor. I had my father who gave me one of the best examples I ever could have had. I had um, Jim who gave me, gave me more than I could ask for. Really, more than I could ask for. Um, I had um, John Hobbs who taught me other things about, uh, about keeping true. I have a guy named Bill Sammons who was the founder of Eagle Nest ministry down in, in Milton, Delaware. I had great people of faith, and yet many, they've all reached ages. I had John Mitchell, who was a superintendent, who's also gone on to be with the Lord. I had these people, and at this point in my life, I look back, and I'm going, man, I miss these people, because they were that rock that I could turn to, and Wayne said to me one day, he said, well, now, Jack, you are that for somebody else, and so my question is, and this is a question we were talking about the other night, who are those people that I can pour into today that are the church of the future? That one day they may sit here and say, that crazy Jack Cohen said something to me that stuck with me so that I'm here doing ministry for God in this world. Because guess what? The world ain't getting better. So that means the church needs to get stronger. And so, and I don't have that on my notes. That's from God, okay? Um, that's awesome. I like that. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So, you know, I mean, even though Jim also taught me about details and other people taught me about details, Jim was also somebody who knew to trust in the Holy Spirit. If you ask him what he was going to preach on that week, we were just talking about this, he would say, Jesus. Because <laughs> half the time he had no clue. But yet, you know, what was awesome is that we had this relationship that I would tell him, I said, Jim, people either love you or hate you, and I don't know where I am according to the minute, but I loved him. And he loved me, and he, and he told me, a long time ago, he told me, love your people, and they'll let you make a lot of mistakes. Just love them. He also taught me about dreaming. He said, Jack, don't dream for your church, the church you want to be at. Make the church you're at your dream. When we start to make where we are and where God has placed us our dream, Holy Spirit moves in people's lives. Elisha asked something extremely difficult. Give me a double portion of what you got. And Elisha did 14 recorded miracles that were awesome, incredibly awesome. But he had poured out into Elisha, and Elisha says, I want double what you got. And guess what? He did 28. Elisha did 14. Isn't God good? In 2 Kings, it continues, and he says, hey, You've asked a difficult thing, yet if you see me when I'm, when I'm gone, it's yours. If not, you might as well go back and find another plow and keep going. In John 14, it says this, believe, it says, whoever believes in, in, in me will do the works I have been doing. On what? Jesus, you did amazing things. Wait, wait, no, you'll be doing even greater. How in the world am I going to do that? Look what he says. Look what he says. Ask me. You see what's really cool here is you can do the supernatural when you, ask, when you just ask. That's natural. When is the last time you've asked God for big things? When is the last time you've asked God for the impossible, to do the absolute impossible? How many times are we insulting God by just asking, God, bless this food. Thank you for a wonderful day. Help me get a good night's sleep. I'll see you in the morning. All right? Ask him for major things. Ask God. God, help this church. 
plant churches around the world so that people who are in areas have a place to gather. Not just in our community, but I'm talking about overseas. Help us go ahead and in our community end, yes, I'm going to say this, end um, addiction. You say, wow, really? You know what? Because I believe, I have this kind of thing. I say, God, why don't you do something really cool and bring churches together to accomplish this goal? Wouldn't that be novelty? Guess what? I know people in churches. I know how I am. We don't work well together. The body is disjointed. Who can do it? God can. Hey, God, why don't you turn this community totally around, our large community, wherever we represent fully that people love you, and that's the main thing that's in their lives. I may not live long enough to see it, but I can ask for it, and guess what? If the worst thing he can say is no, and I'm right back to where I am. Oh, but what if he says yes? Jesus said this. Ask this for your jobs. Ask this for your children. Ask it for your marriage. Ask it for your impact in life. Ask it for your healing, and see what God does. Elisha is plowing and never knew that he would be second in recorded Bible history to one person, Jesus Christ, in miracles. Now you see, so now Elisha has told us this, but now he's coming down on the track, and we're running. We're running. All right? And Elisha's standing next to me, and I'm saying, Elisha, how in the world did you ask God for something? How, how could you even come to ask that big? And he says, Jack, don't give up on your dream. Jack, Jack, Jack. Dream big for God. You need to do that. you got to dream big for God. And he's running around. And so what is he going to tell me? He's going to tell me three things as we wind this down today. Number one, his lap words are this. Cultivate. I went through several different words for that, but I came to that one. Cultivate the presence of God. Because in God's presence, God speaks big things. Dreams are born in, in God's presence. So I want to ask you a question. All right? Um, let me see, Andy, you're back there. Andy, how do I smell? Okay, all right. Danny, how do I smell? Okay, all right, let me see. Hey, Becky, come here. No, 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 I'm not putting your arm pity. Here, smell, smell. Come here, come here, come here, come on. I smell lovely, right? You like that smell? Yeah, see, she smelled me. You know Why? Because she was close to me. And, one, and the scripture talks about the fragrance of God. Many of us haven't smelled God in a while because we're not next to him. We haven't gotten close to him. We haven't cultivated and learned to bring the presence of God near to us so we can get some God smell. You don't know how I smell back there because you didn't get close to me. You can after church. I smell pretty good. I got a little Michael Kors probably on me. Smells good, doesn't it, Becky? I'm not, you smell my armpits, too. I did them today, too. All right? This is one of the greatest miracles that Elisha has, has did. What we have here in this section, in 2 Kings, Elijah's going on, and the kings of Israel, Judah, and Edom are coming together to fight the king of Moab. And they're doing really well, and all of a sudden, they say, we ran out of water. They got troops that are dying. They got animals that are dying. And then all of a sudden, somebody just decides, oh, wait, wait a second. Anybody hearing from God? These are God's people, but they don't, nobody hears from God. Wait, isn't there somebody who hears from God? Somebody says, oh, wait, there's that Elijah cat, that dude, Elisha. Yeah, yeah, remember him? Yeah, he hears from God. So, okay, so they go to Elisha, and they say, uh, Elisha, um, we're doing this battle. We don't have any water, so I need, I, need, 
I need you to go ahead and, uh, and help us out here. All right, can you help us out, Elisha? He says, okay. And look at what he says in 2 Kings chapter 3. You ready for this? Uh, chapter 2, excuse me. Elijah, they said, you need water. We have no water. And what does he say? Look, right here. Now bring me a harpist. <laughs> they asked for water. He wants background music. <laughs> that is weird, right? Now bring me a harpist. So in other words, he says, um, you know, I need some worship music. You know, go ahead, go ahead. You need water. I, Wayne, get the praise team up here and go ahead and just start to play something for me. Well, you guys need, you guys need a drink? Anybody need a drink? Uh, give me Wayne. Right? But look what happened. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. You see, what Elisha recognized is without God's presence, nothing was going to happen. Dreams become big and real in the presence of God. The guy, that, this isn't only in, in the Old Testament. Look at this, look at the New Testament. We didn't only have people that looked at oxen butts. We had people that looked at fish guts and butts all day. Who are they? Look at this. When we look at the scripture from Acts, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were what? Unschooled, ordinary men. They were nothing. They were nobodies. But they had one thing in common. These men had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. And by being with Jesus, they were set apart. You know what? I want salt when I, rec- when I take a bite of the food and I recognize it needs something. I only go look for the flashlight when the power's out and it's dark. I want to share something with you. Be consistent in God because even though the people in the world don't look like they care right now, when it gets dark, they will come looking for you. When, it, when they need something that the world's not giving them, they will look for the salt of the earth, and that's you. That's the body of Christ. Every great dream I have ever had came at a time when I was closest to God. And I got to tell you, many of those times that I was closest to God came in the brokenness of my own heart. This church was birthed in my own brokenness and willingness for God to do something awesome. Elisha would tell me, Jack, it's good to dream. You got to cultivate the presence of God. And it's really good to dream, Jack. It's really good to dream. But here's what else you got to do. We're on that lap. Okay, we're hitting about that, that quarter turn. And he says, you also got to wake up and do something. It's good to dream, but you got to wake up and do something. So many people say, you say to them, hey, what are, you, what are you doing? Say, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. What if, just what if God is waiting on you? What if God wants you to do something? And you say, what, what am I going to do? Ready? Here you go. I got the answer. Anything for God. Step out and do anything for God. God. There are so many things that you can do around here. Today, our bass player is running sound today. So Wayne's, Wayne, we're going to get Wayne one of those cymbals between his legs and sing, you know, and do that. But I know there's people who are here. 
There are some of the same people that are doing the same things all the time, and that's awesome, and we're gifted for them. But there's others that can do something for God, and God will do something awesome for you. Remember, if you do something little, you do, God does something incredible. Like one of the most awesome things that people forget about is the people in the parking lot, right, Joe? And where are you? Mike, anywhere? Was it cold out there today? A little bit, but you were happy. Why? You get, and you're hearing your first, this is the first smiling faces that greet you every day. We've had people fall, and they're right there. That's, that's a, you may say that's a little detail, but it's an important detail to me. All right? In 2 Kings 3, 16, Elisha says to them, look what he says to them. This is what the Lord says. Go make this valley full of ditches. Now keep in mind, there is no cloud in the sky. There's no sign of rain. But he says, here, go dig some ditches. You know what he said? Do something. Dig. We need to get our shovel and just start digging. Start digging. And there was never any sign of rain in there. Never anywhere. And some of us right now are stuck in our faith. Some of us are stuck. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. Dig some ditches. Start digging. Look at what it says here in James chapter 2. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by what? Action is dead. Keep on digging. Keep on digging. Because as you look, God said, hey, I'm going to fill them up even though you won't see rain. Now this last one, I'm going to give you the scripture first because I know how you are. You will say, oh, got the blank. Get the kids. I'll meet you outside. You'll sit here till the Lord returns if I don't give you that blank. But if I get that blank, you'll be packed up. So here we go. Let's go to the scripture first. Don't give it. Second Kings 3, 17. Look at what he says. You will see neither wind nor rain. Isn't that nice? You ain't going to see it. But yet this valley will be filled with water and everybody will drink. And listen to what Elisha said. That's easy for God. Just because you don't see anything or what you see may not look what you think your standards should be. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. God is working. God is working. When we walk by faith and not by sight, God is working. I'm going to go back to your slide now. You ready? Your your sheet. Elisha would tell us, don't get caught up in what you don't see, but trust in what is unseen. In 2 Corinthians 4, 18, It's a scripture that I use a lot on my, in funerals. Jim told me it was a good scripture, so I still use it. So we fix our eyes on what is, on what is, uh, not what is on, what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is only temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Over the last several years, I got to see this mentor, this friend of mine, deal with the issues of dementia and Alzheimer's. And we lost him before we lost him. For me and anybody else who knew him and loved him, there's nothing right with that story. At all. Absolutely nothing. And it would break your heart to see this man who was my mentor and who I loved dearly change in front of my eyes. And many eyes of people. But you know what? We don't fix our eyes on what is seen. We fix our eyes on what is unseen, for what is seen is only temporary. Because heaven got a little bit more ornery this week. Who are we kidding? A lot more ornery. 
and a lot more fun. And two people who talked to me about, you know, retirement and those things, John Mitchell and and Jim Jones never really got a chance to enjoy that, but guess what? They got to get where we're going a lot quicker than we got there. And so I know that they're going to greet me there, and I know I'm going to get that mustache and that grin and going to say, what took you so long? I've been waiting for you up here. There'll probably be a back door to a restaurant in heaven that we'll walk through, and we'll sit there and we'll have a good old time. Because you and I are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I know that I have not only Heavenly Father and all those other great big dogs that are cheering me on, but some of those big dogs in my life of faith, those mentors, are saying, go Jack, go Jack. And they're doing that same thing for you. So what I want to do right now, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to close today because we're not going to fix our eyes on what is seen. Because what is seen is a mess, am I right? You turn on the news, it's a mess. You go to the grocery store, it's a mess. Everywhere you look, it's a mess. And it's easy to get, to get down. But we fix our eyes on what is unseen, and we trust God. Stand up, please. We're going to pray. Lord God, we come to you today, and I just want to pray for everybody who's here and all those who are watching online. That God, I want to thank you, number one, for the mentors in my life. I want to thank you for the Elijahs. And although that many of them are gone and and unable to be who they once were for me. God, I, I thank you that the mantle and the covering that they put over me and those things that they gave me in my life have helped me run this race a little bit better. God, may I do the same thing for someone else. And I pray that there's somebody here who is the one that you want to place that cloak over for the next generation, that one day they'll stand up here or stand somewhere else and say, isn't God awesome? And I thank God for the many mentors and the people in my life that helped me run this race. And so, Lord, as, as we are here with all our needs and all our hurts and all our desires, and we know, God, I know, and I'm not going to minimize it, that there are people that are in this room that are brokenhearted and shattered because of what's going on in life. There's people that are making bad choices and have made bad choices and there's guilt and there's frustration and there's all these things that are there. And God, guilt is not from you. That's the enemy trying to drag us down all the more. And so God, we just want to rebuke him right now and we've sang in this whole service about your spirit raining down on us. From the very opening, all my fountains are in you. That God, you're just, you're, we just ask that you spring up the well of the Holy Spirit. So Father, right now, if we're here and we're wondering whether our life counts and you've given us some small things and we're, we're looking at oxen rear all the time, God, help us recognize that you've called us to greatness. And that the details and the small details that you're just preparing us for greatness. So God, whatever it is, just move in this place right now. I'm going to ask that where we are become an altar and also that we have people who are up front to pray you, there may be somebody here for the first time that's hearing this Jesus thing. They're saying, I don't totally get what's going on here, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that I need something. And I've been feeling like my life doesn't count, or I'm trying to find my life purpose in something else. What I really need is somebody to run around the racetrack with me. What I really need is, I need Jesus. I need you to recognize, as a mentor of mine used to say, 
I need a savior. Jesus, you're it. You're the only one. For all those people here, I ask for them to just open up their hearts and lives and share with somebody. They're willing to take that step onto the racetrack with Jesus. For others here, we got that dead, that dead weight going around the track. We feel like we're dead. So God help us dig some ditches. Help us just start digging. Because nothing is too hard for you. I personally, God, want to thank you for my brother Jim Jones. I love him. I thank you for his life. I thank you for him pouring that life into mine. And God, I know you said, well done, good and faithful servant. Give him a hug for me. Tell him I love him. For we love you because as we started, God, you gave your life for mine. And hopefully today somebody heard I'm preaching about Jesus.
words ever penned. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Um, isn't God awesome? And so, you're supposed to say yes. Okay, there we go. Um, but, you know, hey, I'm not going to tell you that one service, one song, one prayer is going to change it all. It's not. It's not. But don't give up on that lap. Because we're going to have other, peop other, other people in the faith that are going to share with us. And they're going to give us something new. And we're going to get encouraged rather than being discouraged. Okay? So this was Elisha. And it was perfect. I said it was just a perfect week um, for God to just bring that into my life. Um, and hopefully it was for you. Next week, the person who's going to take a lap around with us, Rebecca. Rebecca's going to take a lap around with us. All right, so, so that's going to be cool. Ready? All right, let's do it. All right, it. let's go. All right, so, um, and you can smell me if you want as you're heading out. So uh, have an awesome week. Smell somebody near you, and we'll say hey. Have a great week.